0: going to Ecclesiastes and we're noticing some lessons that allow us to live lives that make a difference, lives that make a difference for the kingdom, lives that make a difference uh, for other people. And so tonight, as we continue this, we want to talk for a few minutes uh, about living virtuously. And from time to time, we'll hear folks talk about the idea that they're attempting to focus on and, and plug certain virtues into their lives. And sometimes we'll talk about things like chastity and temperance and charity and diligence and patience and kindness and humility. And uh, there may be some other attributes that we think about from time to time. Faithful Christians that ought to be, you know, we ought to be in pursuit of certain things on a daily basis. So the question becomes how do we successfully live in pursuit of and in possession of these Christian attributes and characteristics that are often so important to us? How do we live a virtuous life. And so I'm, I'm, we're going to go to tonight, and the psalmist helps us understand one of the keys because he's going to provide a contrast between the blessed and the wicked. Now, normally, when we read this psalm or we think about this psalm, we're thinking about some things like uh, delighting in the law of the Lord, and we're thinking about things like meditation uh, on the law of the Lord day and night. We focus in on those areas. But in this psalm, the other thing the psalmist is doing is he's talking with us about some places that we ought to avoid. And when the places to avoid are combined with delighting in the law, the virtuous person is then properly positioned to be successful. And so, with that in mind, let's just read through these six verses and then we'll dive in, think about a few things, and the lesson will be yours. Verse 1, How blessed is the man... The wicked are not so, but they are like chaff, which the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Virtuous people are able to live lives that matter because they plant themselves in the right places. The metaphor in play... It's the blessed man. He's like a tree firmly planted by streams of water. Think about cypress trees for just a moment. They're known for longevity. They grow along streams and rivers where the the water supply is plentiful. The base of the tree, it becomes very wide, very strong, very stable. Some of these trees have been measured as much as six feet across. Uh, one of the largest cypress trees down in the state of Florida uh, in the past couple of years was destroyed. It was 125 feet tall. It had a trunk that measured 17 and a half feet. It was thought to be about 3,500 years old. So when you think of some of these cypress trees, you, you think about stability. And the trees do well because of where they're positioned. If you take away the constant nourishment of the water, they'll wither and die just like other plants, and just like people who aren't plugged in to the fountain that flows from God. And so to live a virtuous life, I need to plant myself in the right places. Virtuous people, they stand tall for something. We continue to be growing because we're being nourished by the Word of God. And so Psalm 1 challenges us to have a close walk with God And the person who will do so is called blessed. And so, notice the progression that we're going to see in this psalm. In verse 1, how blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the the wicked. So, number 1 in your notes tonight, the first thing we think about, I need to be careful where I walk. The word counsel... Another way to say that, how blessed is the man who does not walk under the advisement of the wicked. The person who's going to be virtuous, the person who's going to pursue these qualities, that person is the person who does not listen or does not get his advice from the wicked. The new century there just simply says, happy are those who don't listen to the wicked. The Bible it emphasizes avoiding evil influences. It, 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 it reminds us of that over and over and we'll look at some of that. Uh, notice 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Go over to the New Testament for a few minutes and we'll notice, we're going to be noticing several passages that is in the New Testament tonight as we study. But beginning in verse 33, the Bible says, "...do not be deceived, bad company corrupts good morals." Become sober-minded as you ought, and stop sinning, but for some have no knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. Now, in the context here, Paul is making the case that there is a resurrection from the dead. And the implication there is, because there's a resurrection from the dead and judgment that follows, the fact that there's a resurrection, that should affect the way we live. And so acknowledges in verse 32 of 1 Corinthians 15, if the dead are not raised, if there is no resurrection from the dead, we may as well eat and drink and do whatever we want to do because we live today and tomorrow we die. But if there's a resurrection, we should be focused on living in a certain way. And these verses, don't be deceived, bad company corrupts good morals, they dovetail nicely with Psalm 1. And notice what he says in verse 34. Be sober-minded, stop sinning. He goes on to say, some are ignorant because they haven't received proper counsel. They haven't been walking under the right advisement. The question becomes, and we'll go back to this several times tonight, who or what has my ear? Who or what has my attention? And I think probably for all of us, it's probably not a case where we purposefully approach the wicked for advice. And that's not what the text says. Psalm 1, it doesn't say about going purposefully to the, for, to the wicked for advice. It simply says, Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. We studied in the story a few weeks ago, King Rehoboam. It may have been more than a few. It... It's difficult to remember exactly what week that was. But he's the classic example in the Old Testament of going to the wrong place for advice. He, he actually listens. He goes and he talks to the older folks and he listens to their counsel and then he goes to the younger guys and he listens to what they have to say and he follows bad advice. He's walking under the counsel of bad advisement. Here's the thing from the text. When I choose to walk... Uh, among the counsel of the wicked when I do that long enough the, the, the wrong way of thinking the wrong way of speaking the wrong way of living it is going to penetrate my heart it's going to become a part of who I am sometimes for a lot of us growing up when we'd come to church and we'd go to a Bible classes young people the, the topic we'd hear about would be peer pressure or negative peer pressure bad peer pressure that was, that was one of the terms we would use the people around us influence us uh, the other term that might be appropriate is compromise of convictions. See, compromise is normally a process. And oftentimes it's very subtle and we don't even realize that, well, I know that I stand for things that are right and then over time I gradually give in here and I gradually give in here and there and then I finally find that I've drifted quite a ways away from where I was at one point. You know, maybe it's at work and... Uh, maybe I'm working around some people and they're influencing me over time to not give a full effort uh, to maybe cut some corners here or there because nobody's going to notice and and, and you don't want to if you work too hard and if you work too well you're going to outdistance all of us you're going to make all the rest of us look bad and so perhaps we don't give a full effort or maybe for younger folks in school I, I need a good grade and maybe I go get some help that's really not help that I should have gotten, and yes, I get a grade that I needed, but maybe I know that I compromised my convictions to get that grade. Or maybe at work, yes, I get paid, I get the promotion, I get the extra money, but I know in my heart of hearts that I didn't do it with the right kind of effort. Compromise is normally a gradual process. And so we've got to make sure that we avoid walking in the counsel of the wicked. So, uh, the first part of this, he says, Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. Now notice the next progression. Nor stand in the path of sinners. So that's our second thing to talk about. Be careful where you stand. Uh, For this, turn over with me to Ephesians, the fourth chapter, and we'll notice several verses there. Ephesians chapter 4, we want to begin in verse 17, because this passage, it describes what happens when I make it my practice to stand with sinners. Paul writes, So this I say, and affirm together with the Lord that you walk no longer just as the Gentiles also walk in the futility of their mind. Gentiles, the people who don't know God, the people who aren't in a relationship with God, being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their heart, and they, having become callous, have given themselves over to sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. He says, you're not going to live like these folks. They have become and will become calloused, or another word that, that, that communicates, and we talked about this last spring, they're kind of desensitized to right and wrong. Wrong no longer hurts. And I talked to you about hot sauce, and if you've experienced hot sauce, you know in the beginning sometimes it can, it can hurt, but then you get used to it. Callous isn't always a good thing. A callous will prevent us from feeling pain, and in some cases that's okay, but if there's a big callous on my heart, and my heart doesn't feel, my heart isn't impressionable anymore, wrong doesn't leave me with guilt like it ought to, that calloused heart has really become a problem for me. A cold, hard heart is never what God intended for me. And so our compromise can lead to being very desensitized. And and we're talking about a process whereby over time we become calloused spiritually. We're just, we don't feel anymore. We don't have that soft heart that, hey, I did wrong and I'm sorry about that and I want to make that right. That's why Hebrews chapter 10, beginning long about verse 26, and we've read it before, we're not going to go there right now, but where Hebrews, the, the Hebrew writer is talking about, if I'm living this life where my sin is purposeful and, and, and I'm, I'm trampling underfoot the Son of God, there remains no sacrifice for sin. If, I'm, if my heart's not soft enough that I'm going out and I'm purposefully doing wrong, see, my heart may not hurt. But it does hurt God when I purposefully trample on His Son. And from the psalm, it begins with walking in the counsel of the wicked. Because of improper influence, sometimes we compromise our Christianity. We compromise here, we compromise there. And then we do it again, and before long we eventually find ourselves, we, we started out walking in the counsel of the wicked, then we're standing among sinners, not being bothered by the wrong that's going on at all, and then eventually maybe we find ourselves purposefully doing wrong. And, and then we come to the third part of the progression in Psalm 1. Now blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. It's a progression. We don't stand all the way through worship. Because we won't be in here an hour tonight, but but if if we came in and said, hey, we're going to stand for the entirety of worship tonight, that would be kind of a long time for some of us. We sit down when we're planning to stay a while. Sometimes traveling for the school, I'll be in a congregation that I'm I'm needing to talk with or visit, whatever. And so I'll mention to the elders, hey, do you all have time for a stand-up meeting after services? And when I ask them that, I'm trying to communicate something to them. I'm not going to try to take a bunch of your time. I just need to briefly ask you a couple of questions, see if you have any questions for me. It won't be a long meeting, and so we call it a stand-up meeting. We're not going to sit down. Now, if they choose to sit down, we'll meet as long as they want to meet. But when we sit down, it's because we intend to stay a while. And this progression in Psalm 1, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. Because the question is, how are we doing at guarding against this progression in our lives? How comfortable am I just sitting down with evil. Sitting down with sin. And now we're not talking about sinners because we've got to be able to have conversations and we've got to be able to make a difference. We've got to be in people's lives if we're going to help them. But we shouldn't get comfortable with the sin itself. And so how am I doing it? guarding against this progression? The blessed person, the person who's living a virtuous life, the Christian who's attempting to live a life Matters understands the, the importance we must understand the importance of guarding our walk, and that 's not easy in our world today because there are certain things our culture just demands that we accept our culture demands that we accept uh, homosexuality as something that 's normal now it exists, and we 've got to love those sinners. But we can't regard something God regards as sin as normal. Uh, People living together before we get married. Our culture, that's become very normal. Again, we love those people. We want them to do what's right. But can't get comfortable with sinful relationships, no matter what kind of relationship they may be. And so as culture comes at us, one of the things we have to guard against is this place where I get to the point I'm just not negatively affected by wrong the way I ought to be. And the Bible weighs in on our struggle. Go go to John chapter 17, and this is Jesus, and He's praying for His inner circle. He's praying about the lives that they're going to lead, and as He's praying there in John 17... He says in verse 14, I have given them your word and the world has hated them because they are not of the world even as I am not of the world. The problem is they're still in the world. They still have work to do in the world. And so then he says in the next verse, I do not ask you to take them out of the world but to keep them from the evil one. They've got work to do. They're going to be in the world, but they're not of the world. And so what I need you to do, God, is to try to keep them from the evil one. James also weighs in on this. Go to James, the first chapter, and this verse is maybe very familiar to you. But in James 1, verse 27, James writes, Pure and undefiled religion in the sight of our God and Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their distress, and to keep oneself unstained by the world. There are times in life where we try not to get dirty. I remember growing up as a kid, we'd like to run around and run outside and play after church, but I was under strict orders. You can go outside and play after church, but don't get dirty. Um changing a tire in a suit it's not fun. It's hard. Because you're probably going to get dirty. And you don't want to get your good clothes dirty. And so our lives as Christians, it's, we, we, we're baptized into Christ and we talk about having our, our robes washed pure, white as snow, and then we're back into this world. And each day we're trying to keep that robe from being spotted by the world. And it's not easy. And again, so much of it comes down to who we allow a place of prominence in our lives. That's why parents care so much about, okay, who are you going to be with tonight? Who are you hanging out with? Because sometimes when we're young, we don't think as much about how much influence a person can have on us. But as parents, we think about that all the time. As adults, do we think about that for our own lives though? Because the same principles apply one of the reasons that we place value on Sunday night. We come back together as family. We spend time together being influenced by each other. We're on our way to heaven and and hopefully some of the, the closeness that we gain by being together helps us get through the week trying to stay unspotted from the world. And we've got to give our attention to these things because according to the psalm, the Lord's blessing may be at stake. Again, notice the three verses that start the Um, How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and in whatever he does he prospers. The metaphor is, by living this way, I stay planted and plugged into the water. Because that's where my strength comes from. Strong, growing, prosperous. Those are the promises if we'll be careful about where we walk, and where we stand, and where we sit. And if we'll highly value the word of the Lord. And notice also there's a blessing promised in verse 6. Verse 6 says, For the Lord knows the way of righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. The new century there says, this is because the Lord takes care of His people. Isn't that comforting? I love that. So the question is, where will I allow myself to be planted? Will I allow myself to be planted in a dry stream, dry desert where I'm not being furnished the nutrients that I need, around all the wrong kinds of things and influences or will I allow myself to be planted by those streams of living water because God doesn't force us he allows us to choose where we're planted and the choices that we make they do matter and so a life of virtue and blessing a life that matters we, we, we want to be planted where we're drinking from that living water does that describe your life this evening? Or is it possible that maybe in some ways you've allowed yourself to be counseled by what the psalmist calls the wicked? Maybe you need to come back tonight. Maybe you need to make a new start tonight. Maybe it, the, the, the thought process is I need to go home and I, I need to reevaluate where I'm walking, and I need to reevaluate where I'm standing, and I need to reevaluate where I'm sitting. Maybe you're here tonight and you're trying to live without living water at all. Because tonight, if you're here and you're outside of Christ, if you've not obeyed the gospel, if you're not a Christian, you're trying to live without nutrition. You're trying to live without living water. The only access to the living water is through the water. And so if you've not been baptized into Christ for remission of your sins, we we offer that to you tonight. We saw Allie Ann born into the kingdom of God last Sunday night and celebrated with her, and maybe you're ready to celebrate that way this week. If we can assist you in any way, let that be known while we stand and while we sing.